Welcome everyone. I'd like to call to order the uh, August 15th meeting of the Iowa City Climate Action Commission. Um, before we do roll call, I'd like to welcome our newest commissioner, Matt Walter. Welcome, Matt. Really glad yeah. to have you. Yeah, you can applaud. <laughs> can't, can't see all of our smiles, so I think that'll help you a little bit. And we wondered, uh, we'll introduce ourselves, but we we're wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your climate en engagement to date. Yeah, and I need to use the mic. Please. Already. Uh, okay, so yeah, hi, uh, I'm Matt Walter. I'm a one-time resident of Iowa City, uh, 12 years now. Uh, much of that time, 10 years, I've worked at Midwest One Bank, uh, right downtown on the Ped Mall. So uh, I, I love being downtown. I love being on the Ped Mall. And I'm uh, very passionate about the climate and how we're going to uh, adapt to it and how we're all going to live comfortably in the future. So I'm really excited to be part of this commission and uh, working with all of you. Thanks, and welcome again. Sarah, did you have something? You yeah, and it's worth noting, um, for those of you who didn't know Matt previously, he has previously served on a working group for the commission, even before being appointed to the commission itself. He was um, a very active member with our equity working group, so we look forward to tapping into that knowledge in these discussions as well. Thank you, Sarah. And I think we can just briefly uh, introduce ourselves. And Sarah, if I say each commissioner's name before they introduce themselves, can that serve as roll call? So that official enough, I guess. So um, I'm Becky Soglin. I'm currently the chair. I've been on the commission for almost three years. And my uh, day job, if you will, is sustainability coordinator for Johnson County. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, Gabe uh, Sturdivant. Yeah, uh, Gabe Sturdivant. I'm student at University of Iowa currently and have a background in photography, but looking at environmental issues worldwide, so. And Michael Einan Lynch. Hello, I'm Michael Einan Lynch. I've been on the commission for a little less than a year, and uh, I run a, not a nonprofit called Resilient Sustainable Future for Iowa City, and work closely with Midwest One Bank over in the South District. So, nice to meet you. Your colleagues. Thanks, uh, Ben Grimm. Uh, ben Grimm. I've been on the commission for a couple years now. Um, I work for Iowa City Schools as the grounds manager and sustainability coordinator for the school district. It's me. Claire DeGuerra. Hi, I'm Claire DeGuerra. I was previously a climate action ambassador, so I kind of uh, with the went through the workshop that the city put together, so I kind of found out about this, about that, and um, through that, and I've been passionate about climate action for quite a while. I work for the university as my day job. Matt Krieger. Uh, Matt Krieger. I'm an architect with Newman Munson Architects and uh, been on the commission since its founding. Helped uh, with the uh, initial climate action plan. So thanks for being here. Stratus Gianna Curris. Yeah, I, I'm Stratus. Uh, I direct the Office of Sustainability and the Environment at the University of Iowa. Uh, I don't know how long I've been on the commission. <laughs> <laughs> long enough, huh? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years. Well, I three remember years. you from some uh, calls on the equity group, so it's nice to okay. meet you in person. Yeah, so three, three years. Thanks. Uh, Casey Hutchinson? I'm Casey Hutchinson. We worked on the equity group together, um, and I'm the Soil and Water Conservation Coordinator for Johnson County. Thanks, Casey. Good to you again. Yeah, you too. Uh, John Fraser? Hi, I'm John Fraser. i am uh, been with the uh, committee of the commission since uh, the Climate Action Plan. I follow Matt Krieger around. 
and I'm retired from the university, retired from industry with Amana, retired from the military, and I'm 104 years old. <laughs> nice to meet you. Almost everything John said is true. <laughs> so um, thank you, John. So. Um, and we have Jesse. Oh, I po apologies, Jesse. We're not. We don't have the screen right in front of us. Jesse would. Uh, Jesse Leckbender. Le Leckband, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I'm Jesse Leckband with uh, Mid American Energy. Um, the Mid Americans representative on the commission. I've, along with others, I've been on, been part of the development of the Climate Action Plan and and founding of the of the commission. Um, and uh, I'm a senior environmental analyst with an American and work on um, wind and wildlife issues and um, sustainability issues as well. I'm not sure where to direct my gaze, but it's <laughs> nice to meet you, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, you too. I think, Jesse, you can see us. Sorry. Or, or, uh, not sure yes, you. I can. Good. Okay. <laughs> um, and would staff like to in do their introductions? Um, I'm Sarah Gardner. I'm the Climate Action Coordinator. I've been with the City of Iowa City for about two and a half years now. See you, Sarah. Megan Hill, Climate Action Engagement Specialist. I started this position in May. Thank See you. Again, Megan. Oh. Um, thank you, everybody. Um, shoot, I had one thing I wanted to mention before we moved. Oh, for, just a reminder that when uh, we all speak, if you can make sure you're right in front of your microphone and possibly say your last name so that our note taker can distinguish all of our voices. So thank you. Um, do, uh, the next item is the item three, approval of our June 6, 2022 minutes. Are there any uh, issues, any corrections or changes people noted that are needed? Looks like there are none. Is there a motion to approve the minutes of June 6, 2022? Raise your eyes, move. Uh, so moved by Frazier, is there a second? Uh, Krieger, second. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you, everyone. So the motion passes. Um, item four is public comment of items not on the agenda. Um, members of the uh, public who would like to speak regarding items that are not on our agenda are now welcome to address our commission for up to three minutes or five minutes if interpretation or assisted speaking is needed. And due to the public meeting uh, laws here, we can only listen to your issue and we can't comment on it or engage in discussion um, if, since it's not listed. So if there's anyone from the public who would like to speak to an item that's not yet on our agenda, um, please come to the podium and state your name. Hello everyone, I'm Nancy Bird with the Iowa City Downtown District. Hi Nancy. <laughs> Uh, thank you for allowing public comment, of course, and thank you for these. Um, can I pass these out? Okay, thank you. You can take one and pass them along. Yeah, thank you to Sarah for printing those out for me in short notice before this meeting. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about this um, special project that's coming up. Um, as you may know, the Iowa City Downtown District advocates for environmental sustainability. We advocate for smart uh, growth patterns within Iowa City to reduce car emissions and support strong walkable neighborhood centers. 
In tandem with these goals, we are also working to establish a strong base of amenities and an interest in downtown Iowa City as a hub to our growing community. Today, I want to bring an important project opportunity to your attention so that this commission is aware of a new possible Green Alley pilot project for downtown, which is not currently um, funded outright. Next summer, Dubuque Street between Iowa Avenue and Washington Avenue downtown will be undergoing a full streetscape reconstruction. The city has also informed us that they will include the repavement of the alley behind the Studio 13 bar, if you're familiar with that, as part of this project, which we are very um, thankful for this opportunity. We've, the downtown district has devoted over $60,000 on lighting and signage to improve this very challenging, the challenging characteristics of the alley. Um, it was dark and um, the surface is really poor um, and it really needs help with the drainage. So the district is um, excited about the opportunity for the city to consider a new Green Alley pilot project. Um, in the 2014 city streetscape update plan on pages 50, 51, and 52, which that's not what's in front of you, um, but it's actually the city's plan for, for downtown, um, shares recommendations and considerations for Green Alley's downtown as a, as a um, recommendation. So why should the Climate Action Commission be interested in a downtown Iowa City Green Alley? Um, well, in general, they support environmental sustainability, but they also allow rainwater to pass through permeable pavement back into the earth. It reduces localized flooding, which we sort of have right now with a lot of puddling, and recharges the groundwater. Um, the majority of city streets and alleys are paved with impermeable surfaces, and using the Studio 13 Alley downtown to highlight environmental sustainable practices is a great way to highlight the city's work in climate change and environmental stewardship. It shows the community that the city cares about clean water as well. Uh, the, the rainwater falling on this surface throughout the year would pass through um, permeable paving back into the earth, um, and we hear a lot about historic buildings, and we have some really great examples in other parts of the country that have done a lot of work on green alleys. Um, the entire city of Chicago has green their alleys, and um, Dubuque, in a very urban area, has also done the same, where it includes really cement along the edges of the historic buildings, but um, drains down into permeable pavement. Um, green alleys also help reduce heat reduction. So imagine if all the alleys had a light reflective surface that reflected heat energy, staying cool on hot days and thereby reducing the urban heat island effect, a condition where dense urban areas become several degrees warmer due to the, the density of buildings and amount of heat absorbing um, paved areas. So we're having a new development um, on the corner of Washington and, and uh, South Lynn Street, if you're familiar, so that'll add a lot of density to that area. So the downtown district is putting its money where its mouth is. We've invested energy conservation and safety with lighting in this alley already, and we will be a great um, partner to the city in this effort. We sometimes hear that a vacuum may be needed to clear permeable paving, which we think is a great investment into cleaner stormwater. And we also hear about cigarettes, how they'll clog the pavers, and um, we feel like this is an issue that's really aging, because if you haven't been downtown lately, the technology has changed. People don't smoke as much. They're, they're vaping. It's not a good thing, but it does um, get rid of all the cigarettes that are on the ground. So that's the one upside, maybe. Um, if the city of Chicago and Dubuque can transform older historic neighborhoods with green alleys, we feel like we have a great opportunity here to figure it out with lots of precedent. So we hope you can review the streetscape update plan that the city's um, put out, but this is our plan. Um, and if you have any questions about it, I'd love to entertain them later. I know today is not the day, but in future commission meetings, if you like. We're pretty excited about it. So thank you very much for taking comment. Thank you so much, Nancy, and uh, you can, I guess, coordinate with Sarah, too, if you do wish to get on a future agenda, so we'd probably welcome that, so thanks. Um, anybody else from the public who would like to comment on something not yet on the agenda? So I know some folks are here for something later. So. <laughs> 
definitely ready to get to that. So, all right, thank you. Um, we're moving on to item five, announcements. Uh, first, action items from the last meeting. Staff can report on this. Um, yeah, so keep in mind this is from the June meeting. The first action item was that the next meeting would be held Tuesday, July 5th. Um, that got rescheduled and then uh, unfortunately uh, we had to postpone. So we're all the more excited to see everybody here today. Um, we ask that any further questions regarding the 24-7 initiative be sent to staff to be included in the next meeting agenda packet. You all received that packet, including those questions, and in fact, IEC has now responded to some of those questions, which was included in the original agenda packet for the August meeting. We took it out of this meeting um, to avoid any confusion since we wouldn't be talking about it at this particular meeting, but we will take it up again in September and we will uh, put it back in the agenda packet then. That sentence was confusing, but hopefully <laughs> it leads to more clarity. Um, we also in June committed uh, for staff to reach out to commission members who have signed up to connect with a community-based organization to discuss next steps for that outreach. Um, we were able to meet with everyone um, except Stratus, who of course was gallivanting in Greek, Greece during June. Um, and we will have a little time here in just a few minutes for reports from anyone who has been able to reach out to their CBOs if they've made a connection and want to share what they've learned um, or what the nature of the discussion was. Um, I'll just as a friendly reminder, you have until the end of the year to reach out to those folks. So no pressure if you haven't already. We know that summer is not always the best time to connect with folks. Um, and then the final item was that uh, Daniel Bissell was going to reach out to the insulation working group to set a time and date for the initial meeting. I know that he sent out a couple emails. He's heard back from some members of the commission as to time and date availability, but not everyone. Um, so that meeting hasn't yet been set. If you have heard from Danny and haven't had a chance to respond yet, if you could, that would be great to help get that uh, working group in motion. So, and those were the action items from the last meeting. Thank you, Sarah. And item B, our upcoming events. Yes. Um, one thing you may have noticed in changes from the August 1st agenda to this agenda is that we took several items off of upcoming events because they are now events that have happened, um, including two that happened today. Um, we had a small business focus group that met this morning at the Environmental Education Center, and we had just a really wonderful discussion about it, including, Nancy, some discussion about alleys. So I'm going to follow up with you about that. Um, and we also had um, a speaking of discussion, our, you know, our monthly discussions that we've been hosting on Zoom um, in coordination with resource management. We had a discussion of greenwashing today that went very well. Um, was really well attended and a lively discussion. Um, we do have one more event coming up this month, and that is the Climate Ambassador Transit Tour. It's a tour of our transit facility. Some of you who've been on the commission for a while may recall that this commission wrote a letter of support um, as our transit uh, folks reached out to get funding to build a new transit facility. If you would like to either see A, why that letter of support was necessary, or B, see how uh, how we're charging our electric buses at night. This would be a great tour to participate in and you can reach out to Megan Hill who'd be happy to include you on that tour as well. We have, I think, Megan, one climate ambassador signed up currently to take it? Two. Two. We've doubled our attendance. <laughs> Just think, if you joined in, what would you do? <laughs> 
Um, and I'll say the other fun thing you'll see if you go on that transit tour is our transit uh, department has essentially outgrown the facility is one of several issues is why we're looking for a new one. But um, they've come up with some creative uses to continue to use the space for the time being. And uh, you'll find out why they talk about how one, every night one bus goes to bed in the bath um, in order to fit them all into the facility itself. So a good tour to take. I think it'll be very interesting. Thank you, Sarah. Um, any questions about upcoming events? Or? Good. Um, so our working group updates, uh, I think, Sarah, I can just note that for item I, the solar prioritization, that is under six unfinished business. So uh, we'll just hold off um, on, on that <laughs> since we have some folks here in the audience. Um, and then the um, insulation grant program, I think you just covered, or do you have more? is there more to add on that? No, just reach out to Danny if you haven't already, and we'll get that. I think there's some interesting things to discuss on that front, so it'll be a good meeting. Um, and then now we've come to the community-based organization outreach. Um, as Sarah noted, several of us commissioners, we, were, we selected a group we wanted to reach out to, and I'm happy to just start. We can maybe go around and give any updates. And I was able to have a great conversation with Kevin Saunders of the NAACP and gave Sarah some information. And we were hoping she and I can then uh, meet with them another time. They're obviously very busy, uh, lots of things going on for them. Um, and um, I will be reaching out again to the Black Voices Project, who are also quite busy. So that's the update for now from me. And um, I know, Michael, you have are you listed here? Sorry. Yes, you, you have Yeah, the South District the Neighborhood. Yeah, I have, uh, I'll be having another meeting with Angie Jordan soon and Great. attending the next District Neighborhood meeting. Great. And we can just keep going around. Uh, Clarity, you are, uh, yeah, Clarity, you were. Yep, Gara. Um, I have emailed Paula from LULAC twice. I've received additional contacts that I haven't reached out to yet in LULAC um, and even I am a member and renewed my dues but have not been an invited to any meetings so I've been it's been a process of trying to pin someone down and have not been able to hear back yet so and we totally understand I think summers you know this has been a busy different summer from the types we've had in the last couple of years and probably everyone's just getting themselves rebalanced and Thanks for the update. Matt? Uh, no update with the HBA yet. Okay, great. Thanks. And uh, I think Stratus, we know. Galavanting. Yeah, I know. You were, you were not <laughs> gallivanting at the Lucas Farms, but that's okay. You can future gallivanting. So I think that covers everyone. Did I miss anyone or any? Oh, all right, great. Um, well, that will move us on to item six, which is the solar prioritization memo to council. Um, since it's been a while since we've uh, had this on the agenda. Um, I wanted to give a kind of a little background and reminder of what this was about. Um, so the Iowa City Solar 2035 report was a collab or is a collaborative st study that was commissioned by the city in conjunction with the Johnson Clean Energy District and it was issued in January of this year. The steering committee and the primary authors included some of the reps we have, I think, here today from the Johnson, some JSED, which is Johnson Clean Energy District, and also the UI Initiative for Sustainable Communities and um, Common Good Iowa. And also contributing to the report and reviewing it were, uh, there's a student group, six city staffers, eight advisors, which, who, which included myself, Matt, 
Ben and I think that got us all right, <laughs> um, and two solar consultants. And we really appreciate all the time, all the effort that um, Jay said put into us and that uh, all these, uh, that everybody um, gave to the study. And the entire commission got a chance to read this report and hear a presentation from the primary authors and ask questions at an earlier meeting this year. Then the solar prioritization working group, uh, which included Matt, Stratus, Gabe, and myself and Sarah, we met three times and um, we discussed, we had some differing takes on what was in the report and what to prioritize of the prioritizations, but we did come to consensus on some recommendations and those are for the near term and I really wanna emphasize that the focus was the near term because it's a um, study uh, it's something that we can look at again. It's not just a one and done. So, but I wanted to note that the recommendations that we focused on uh, to prioritize for the city, um, they're described in more detail in the memo, but they were to make sure that the city zoning code is updated to better support solar. And some of this work has actually already begun. We wanted there be an educational component added to solar projects that uh, the municipality might either own or partner on and that there be continued conversations with the primary energy provider in the area, which is Mid-American, um, about solar as well as possible battery projects. And so uh, there were two other action items that were called out but not prioritized at this time. And, and so again, that thinking is that start, start with these uh, prioritized items and then revisit as progress is made and potentially new information, new things are happening. So this issue of timeliness was probably not made very clear in the memo. So if you were reading it, it's like, this is all we're taking from it. Apologies that that was, um, you know, what you might've come away from it. But we, the idea was to set in motion this first set of recommended actions and, and not at all, you know, close the book. So, um, in considering what we were prioritizing, we were considering uh, feasibility, timing, relation to the climate action plan, and also st staff capacity. So while an idea in isolation we thought might have been good, there were other factors to consider. We kind of had to apply, apply those factors. And so um, we would propose that to our memo, we would revise the title slightly to make clear it's this like first pass at looking at prioritizations and add some sentences to the introduction introduction to note the the near-term intent that we were looking at um, and so then I'll let's see if Sarah has anything else to add and then we can um, have some discussion and then open it to the to the public and I went and we Jay said members here today yeah um, no, I think you covered it pretty well, Becky. I think, you know, this is very much in line with how the city tends to use studies like this and the way they differ from plans is that they're used as reference documents as, you know, projects come down. Some of you may recall this is very similar to the methane feasibility study that the commission reviewed last year where a study was done. It contained a suite of recommendations. The uh, commission took a look at it, made a recommendation at that time. 
actually, funny enough, there may be some new information coming to light related to that um, study, so we may be reviewing it again in the months ahead. But um, the staff continue to look at that, and actually that's why we have new information coming to light, like continue to look at it to look for where possibilities may open up as new projects or new funding sources become available. So um, this has been very much in keeping with that spirit. And I'll just add as a one other note that the planning staff has already um, begun to do the zoning review recommended in this, um, in part because as part of the working group process, we reached out to, I should say, our planning staff, not our zoning staff, um, to just talk about the possibility of a code cleanup uh, to make it a little more user-friendly for folks who are looking to install solar in the area. And as part of that process, they've identified several ways, not just that we can make the code just a little clearer, but also that we can use our code to incentivize solar development in the community. Um, and they've hit on some really interesting ideas. Um, in fact, I think are going to circle back with the working group to talk about some of those and get feedback. Um, but they include things like um, reducing any kind uh, or eliminating any kind of screening requirements if you're putting solar on your own personal or on residential property. It's a little different if it's a large solar install, but it, they recognize, you know, on a residential property that may not be necessary. Um, reducing some of the setback limits to make it easier if you need to put solar behind your home. So I think it's been uh, just a really useful and fruitful conversation. And again, thanks to JCED for helping spur some of those conversations along. So. Thanks, Sarah. So I think at this time, since so the, the memo is coming from the uh, working group plus the two staffers, Rachel and Sarah, who are contributors. So. I think in a way we, the prioritization group, have questions amongst the commission that since this, you know, basically do a question about what we did or what's in here. And we will definitely get to, you know, JSET has some comments, but if there's anything we from the working group can answer or staff can answer about the memo. Not necessarily a question, but the changes that are being made, is that like a live, like implemented instantly, or is that going to be down the road, they're going to release a new guideline? Well, yeah, with um, code changes, those of course are ordinance changes, so uh, they need to be read three times in front of city council. Um, and as you'll see in the memo, we included a proposed timeline. Um, we do expect, anticipate that to be done by the end of the year, which will be great. I will say that, this is Stratus, I will say that um, when we had these conversations in the spring, um, it was not in anticipation of the recent developments of the Inflation Reduction Act being passed. And so the study, you know, and Sarah's mentioned this in the past, like the things that are in here are immediate. It's what's on the city's docket, what can they do and plan the next 14 months? So it's not gonna really impact how the things on this list and how they come out. But uh, if you look at what's in the climate portion of the of that bill, it's a game changer for all these things, right? Inc including community solar, potentially, community projects, um, the, the focus on, on low-income communities. So the Green Bank, if you look at that infrastructure, Green Bank, 17, I think, or 18 billion of that 30 billion is targeted for low-income to be matched by financial institutions. So that changes things. There's targets in there for heat pumps, for solar for things that, that affect um, low-income homeowners in particular. That's where the tax incentives start. 
Um, the investment tax credit itself uh, moved to a direct payment structure um, and then also allows for transfer payments, right, in a streamlined way. So it cuts out all the need for a tax appetite or tax equity to be involved. All of these things change the landscape for what Iowa City is going to do, homeowners going to do. And that's not even talking about the EV sections and the clean energy equipment, you know, the industrial policy pieces of this that are going to drive innovation. All of these things um, make the conversation about what's doable very, very, very different from what we've, how depressing it was, <laughs> uh, you know, even six weeks ago, right? Because someone changed their mind in the Senate. So I think that um, that's, we got to revisit the study again and again now. We got to look at, you know, almost redo it in certain ways, think about it again, because all of the opportunities that were there at that time, the policy landscape has shifted so dramatically that I can't even, I can't believe how much, if you read what's in there and you understand it, it will come up more and more, it, it's a game changer. So that's just the caveat that this does not acknowledge how fast things are shifting. Thanks for that context, Radis. Any commissioners have other comments or questions? And if not, we'll, um, uh, John? Uh, just a, a quickie. I uh, was lucky enough to uh, spend some time in Scotland recently and spent some time at St. Andrews at the Open. But what really I would like to mention, and it wasn't a shock to me, but it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, we, we were in Aberdeen, which is on the north coast, and Aberdeen uh, economy is booming right now. It's booming with the competition between the oil drillers offshore the windmill builders generating power from windmills offshore and solar. And uh, they're coexisting very nicely. And it reminds me that we can't get talked out of solar. We can't get talked out of renewables uh, by the, uh, the lobbies that are more interested in drilling, drilling, drilling. Uh, the fact is, it's going to coexist, and I, th I think the, the more people are willing to accept that and work with that and not have these either-or thoughts and decisions, but understand that uh, we can all work together, and if we just want the uh, drilling to go away, it's not. <laughs> and there's a lot of room for solar and wind and other renewables at that time. The other thing that struck me, I'd been over there before and warned my wife to take a lot of warm clothing because the temperature certainly would be in the 50s and 60s and we'd have rain every day. And uh, she's mad at me now because it didn't rain once and the average temperature when we were there was about 85. And the day we left, it was 105. And what uh, pleased me a little is to hear the arguments uh, among Scotsmen uh, arguing about the reality of climate change. Uh, there's polarization over there just like there is here. And I think uh, Scot Scotland's way ahead, way ahead of us. Uh, the, uh, the people that are, believe in the climate action that's necessary are really leading the way. But uh, fossil fuel uh, is, is not going away for a while. So I felt somewhat relieved to know that, you know, they're having these same conversations everywhere in the world. And I'm smart enough to know that's a fact. But it just struck me, boom, seeing the, the 90 degree weather, the, the windmills offshore, the offshore drilling, the solar, 
uh, all coexisting, and we just we can't give up. And to your point, uh, this new bill I think brings life to all of us. I was getting a little discouraged, and I'm I'm sure I'm the only one. But I think there's a renewed hope. I think that bill is, as uh, Joe would say, a, a big deal. So I'm pleased to see it uh, and what it may what it may mean to us as as a uh, a commission. I think it's going to open open more doors than perhaps we were expecting. So thanks, Stratus, for mentioning that because I think it is really significant. And as noted, of course, we had our discussion not in the context of that bill, and as part of the early steps caution that we we had in this. But as Stratus knows, there can be revisiting. So I think at this point, um, if commissioners are good with having asked questions on this round, we can. Do another round. We will let anyone in the public. I know we've some of the Johnson Clean Energy District sure. folks here. Um, if if they have comments or uh, questions for us, to please come forward. And, and just a reminder to please state. Uh, we we know you've visited with us before, but if you could, for the record, just please state your name and the organization. And there's a little sign-in sheet at the podium. If you wouldn't mind signing in, that's helpful for us too. <laughs> My name is Cheryl Miller, and I'm a board member of the Johnson Clean Energy District, and I was the project manager on this study. And um, I'm just uh, here with Scott Spack, um, a number of our other um, uh, participants in this study were not able to be here today. so. We'd, we'd been looking forward to having a robust conversation uh, with the commission or the commission subcommittee or whoever worked through these things and um, didn't, you know, would like to at least take this opportunity to um, reply to some of the things that we have learned since about the, um, your deliberations. I think that <clears throat> it's really important to us I mean, I appreciate what Becky said about this being a very preliminary um, set of recommendations, that this is not forevermore, and this is all that will come out of the report that we put together. Um, but <clears throat> the fact that it doesn't mention the larger vision that we put together here and the information was very disappointing to us. Um, and <clears throat> we would really like to see that remedied and figure out ways to better work with you on that. Um, I thought that it was important to go back uh, to look at the background of what, where this came from and what it tried to do. And that is two and a half years ago, the city council asked the staff and others to step back from a project that was very unpopular at Waterworks Park and to consider alternatives, to gather information, and to come up with a different vision of what could happen here. Different models, different strategies, and <clears throat> to present that as possible thing that um, Iowa City public could get behind. They were very surprised, excuse me, my, <laughs> my voice is uh, weakening. Um, they were very surprised at the level of opposition to the Waterworks project and um, wanted to hear more about, more detail about why that would be. 
and then they and then they wanted to hear some alternatives. So we, <coughs> Johnson Clean Energy District, pulled, pulled together a group of people, including, as Becky said, many of the people in this commission, and and others, and <coughs> and and worked with the University of Iowa, Scott Spack, and um, and the Initiative for Solar or Sustainable Communities to put together a report that could answer a lot of the things that we that we were hearing from a survey that we also uh, ran. That survey <coughs> indicated that Iowa City public is very interested in solar. They're interested in having it on their own houses. They're interested in seeing it in their neighborhoods. They're interested in city policies to support expansion of it. So <coughs> we also found out that <coughs> um, there's a very low penetration rate of solar in Iowa City. Google Rooftop um, <coughs> estimates that Iowa City is 394 out of 484 ranking nationally of municipalities with solar per capita. I think that's the... Um, <coughs> you know, surprisingly low rate of penetration given the interest in a community like this. And we also d learned that Iowa City really has no proactive approach to solar. That it's a, it's, it, it, it doesn't have any targets. It, it, it's kind of a minor um, uh, part of the solar, of the, of the climate action plan. And it basically relies on mid-American to present, to, to, to give the city, to provide consumers here with a high rate of renewable energy in their mix of delivered energy. But we think from what the research that we started to amass was that that really, that the whole idea of distributed energy could have some very great value in addition to complementary to or alternative to only a utility provided solar program. So <clears throat> this study that we put together and the recommendations that it presents are for, a, for the city to get more behind um, residents, homeowners here that would like to put solar on their, um, on their homes and in, in various ways. I mean, so the, uh, the report lists many different um, incentive programs in addition to the legislation that Stratus has just mentioned that the city could, get, could, could help organize for people to purchase their own solar. But it also recognizes that many people cannot afford the upfront costs or don't have the kind of building needed um, to put solar on it. So that other alternatives, including this idea about community solar, could make it much more accessible for people who would like to have solar energy access to it themselves, happy to invest in it, and, and can't at this point. <coughs> Um, we, uh, the, the, the view, the vision that we put together and that we were disappointed was not mentioned in this memorandum 
um, is for that distributed generation and storage of solar energy throughout Iowa City. It imagines a um, community-wide program that would put different community-hosted projects that have high public values um, around the community depending on the needs, wishes, and opportunities of different neighborhoods. Um, we identified a number of projects that we thought would really contribute to the well-being and uh, of, of Iowa City residents and, and its economy. We, we identified resilience hubs as very important um, places where solar energy could be and storage could be uh, installed to protect critical infrastructure and people in weather emergencies. We identified a second group of projects, parking canopies um, in business districts around the community that could have very uh, important values in addition to uh, uh, solar energy, creating, generating solar energy, they could provide other services like shading for community events, EV charging, um, shading, uh, reduced heat islands, things like that. <clears throat> we also um, uh, were dis we, we, we also um, spend a lot of time thinking about community solar, and there are ideas um, in the in the report about how the city of Iowa City could move forward with a community solar project, we recommended a joint utility community solar project with uh, MidAmerican to replace the utility-owned only project that had been recommended for uh, Waterworks Park. And we would like to urge you and the city to continue trying to make, trying to open up the whole community solar opportunity for residents here in Iowa City. The memo that I just gave you goes down the list on, on disagreements that we have with statements or uh, what we would like to add to what is in the memorandum from the prioritization committee. Um, so I'm not going to go through that. You can ask me if you have questions. Um, but I, I would like to I would like to have a conversation with you about. I mean, I guess what I thought was that we would give you this study, and that you would talk about it, and you would give us a call and say, well, we're kind of interested in this. Da 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 da. That that we would somehow this collaborative spirit that we worked very hard to establish during the study phase would continue that now it's in your court but but how where do we where do we go with it now and um and 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 i imagined that you would decide okay well this kind of a demonstration project let's give that a try how could what let's go to the city council and and propose that yeah a resilience hub or a can parking canopy we could you know what would that cost who 
who would it benefit, which neighborhood would be most interested in it, any, any of those um, kind of ideas we thought might come out of a conversation with you. And, and I hope it still does. I hope that, um, that whatever priorities you feel like have to happen in the next 30 days, that you could, or 90 days, whatever the, 100, whatever the accelerated plan is, that that could be included, is, is start imagining a demonstration project where solar energy and, and the benefits that it could provide to a neighborhood, these community-hosted projects are, are, are what we're gonna look at. See how far down that road we can get. I think that's all I need to say at the moment. If you have questions, I don't know, Scott? Cheryl, do you want to? Is, are there any questions for Cheryl at this moment, or just want to make? <coughs> if not, I definitely will. And I let that Scott speak. We just want to make sure if there's any questions. Okay. All right. Thank you, Cheryl. Scott's back. Re Iowa City resident and associate professor of planning and public affairs at the University of Iowa. I was the lead author on the research phase of the report along with uh, environmental policy and management class and um, trying to provide the best information possible to you to help you make decisions. One thing, uh, as mentioned already, is that the policy landscape has changed. The uh, financial incentives and tax credits for individuals and businesses are going to be back to where they were and then some um, in a way that was not anticipated by this report and there is pending legislation in Iowa to enable virtual net metering which would allow apartment buildings, multifamily, multi-use buildings to have individual meters for each occupant and individual solar or wind or other generation op opportunities um, rather than if you live in that building, sorry, you can't have access. And so those things are going to rather rapidly require you to and the city to respond. Okay. The decisions that are being made to fast track things that can be done now have led to a, not having any, any current plan for what to do about existing generation and existing greenhouse gas emissions and existing resilience for existing buildings. That's all of the buildings and all of the activity that is happening now in Iowa City, not what will happen in the future in buildings that haven't been built yet. There's no plan from your commission for what to do about that. There's no plan from the city yet about what to do about that. The initial plan thought that solar would not be able to meaningfully contribute to reduction in greenhouse gases. And compared to contemporary mid-American generation and purchases, that was incorrect. Solar is one of the few opportunities from a generation perspective, especially from a distributed generation perspective, to reduce greenhouse gases. It's also one of the few opportunities that is available now to have our homes and businesses and community centers be resilient to interruptions in grid electricity, as happened two years ago this month in the derecho. Without a plan for this, you're putting all of your hopes on 
what happens in the future with new building and redevelopment and nothing to existing generation. If all of your goals for greenhouse gas reduction from residential don't include generation, then they all have to come from weatherization and demand reduction. So you're going to have to work extra hard on those things if there's not a generation component. We demonstrate that there is an extremely viable way to make generation happen that meets this, the Commission's multiple objectives of resi resilience and greenhouse gas reduction. Does Iowa City want to be a leader on solar? If so, we have, we're going to have to do something. It might not need to be one of the recommendations put forward, but it should be something. And if it's not on your agenda, individually and collectively, that every day that we're not doing something about existing generation is a loss of time of making that start to happen, then I'm looking, to, I'm looking to you for leadership on this. And if you don't want to do the things that Johnson County Clean Energy District recommended, figure out something that you would like to do that we can make happen for existing buildings, existing residence, residences, existing businesses, and existing city operations. We have lots of opportunities to make this happen. If the, if the city had merely gone ahead and said, we're just going to try it out with a pilot, the cost and availability of solar in January of this year compared to now, much lower cost, much more difficult in getting access to the raw materials and the labor. Getting in early on this is for the best, even in a pilot context, to figure it out. I look forward to seeing what you're doing, and I'm glad to provide policy research and my knowledge of how this stuff works uh, to support your actions. Do something to lead. Don't just say, it's too hard to do residential anything with solar or demand reduction, so we won't. Yes, there are big challenges to making this happen from a city in Iowa. Some of those are going to go away. Some of them won't. And figuring out how to respond to that is leadership. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Scott. And thank you, Cheryl. Um, this is Stratus. You know, as you, and I'm obviously an advocate for all of the all of this stuff and, and you know help to make some of the recommendations for what I thought given what the staff recommended and what we could do to put things out there some of the challenges you know and this is like where the again Scott as you mentioned I mentioned earlier the landscape has shifted is that just in the last couple of years um, residential solar because of the you know the ITC being phased out and the state tax credit being phased out to match and the cap being met for people that already been in the queue um, made it like the payback much more challenging for and the the actual stick that the city has right to to go in and say to a, like yes it's part of our climate portfolio because it's an inboundary gpc protocol assessment 
but we have, as a city, have very little or no impact on what a homeowner decides to do. And it's also, again, an issue of can you afford it? And we all know that. But so that was an issue in, in the recommendations was with the with the residential piece in particular. There's not much that Iowa City can do to induce. I mean, we could spend some money to give some kind of it would not go very far. I'd like to say, like, can we? step in and replace the, the the part that matters is which the tax appetite or the cost of of an installation in a given um you know house, household or whatever so hopefully the the climate bill changes the residential context for that as far as is my understanding was and, and this is where i need correction from you guys in terms of what you think or what we think happened what was when the educational part which is the demonstration projects for pilots right that would have gone on the recommendation was for it to go in a non-profit right to a non-profit so that was the it wasn't any just any city buildings. It was nonprofits and then some city buildings too. On the nonprofit part, when we discussed this, the issue was that a lot of nonprofits don't have stability, right? They either don't own the building. Um, how long will they be there? How do you go about making that happen? So that was part of what staff looked at was giving it to a nonprofit to benefit the nonprofit's energy bill was probably challenging because the one the, the nonprofits that might be the most likely to stick around are probably also the ones where the equity issue comes up of should they be the ones getting the city dollars. So that was a nuance of saying how, and, and the, the vague, as my understanding, Sarah, was the, the vague na language in there was, yes, do it, but trying to identify where to put some kind of a demonstration project. Again, it's like you said, it's a pilot to change hearts and minds. It's not going to move the needle very much at all, right? You get a, even a 5KW system on a roof of a, some small building like that, a nonprofit's capacity to burn, to use energy, it's, it's purely demonstration for the public to say, yes, we're doing this, yes, we're leading. On the resilience hubs, um, we again, step back from that just because of uh, the lack of, of development of the study. We were looking out to see what Coralville is gonna do on this. But I know that, you know, Sarah, you can follow up here to understand, you know, what would make for a good resilience hub with battery storage and solar on the roof in downtown Iowa City, where the, where the city actually controls the building, there'll be an appropriate building to put that up. And then what the cost of something like that is, I think it's moving a little bit slower because of the, su the supply chain bottlenecks and things of you, like, yeah, yeah, if we'd gone a year ago, if we'd built anything a year ago, if I'd even bought any, you know, everything's gone up, but especially solar, uh, you just can't get the panels, you can't get the installation, especially for something that small. It, to get a developer to do that right now, be particularly challenging, doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, but that also, means that we you know we're thinking well let's figure out where we could make a resilience hub in iowa city with with the storage backup as an alternative again that's a demonstration solution it's a it's an adaptation solution um, more so than it is a carbon solution in my mind because of the nature of how much you're putting on it's demonstration but it also it helps vulnerable people it's like the derecho right it helps people to, to stay online um those are the comments that you know that I see in here, but you know I, I feel like the overwhelming consensus we had was like yes, but how to do this? The easiest thing was the city zoning code one uh, thing. The, when it comes to also the the community solar issue, right? Yes, it's very hard to figure out what the mechanism is. It should, is it the city's role to talk to Mid American about a community solar garden? Is it JSET or community members figuring that out? What I do know is that Cedar Rapids, right, is now selling from a five megawatt. Um, community solar garden shares. So there's clear intent on the part of Alliant to satisfy at least some of that appetite, see how it goes, see how much they can sell, people are willing to buy, et cetera. That's an existing model. We don't need to, to hype 
make hypotheticals. They're in our backyard. They're a different utility provider, and they're doing that. I could see us going to MidAmerican, us, whoever, and saying, can we have that here? The model exists. They've found a way to do it financially. So in that sense, the, the, we, we said we'd like to have those conversations with MidAmerican. We've not got a signal from them. They're, they're at all opposed to a community solar garden of that sort. I think they felt really, as I understand it, very burned on the previous project. And even if we had cited a good location in Iowa City for replacing the waterworks plant, um, the year, two year long process they went through to then get shut out by someone saying, I don't, you know, don't want to see this in an area that was supposed to be semi returned to prairie, that that gave them some pause in re-engaging. So we have to rebuild their appetite to want to engage after they went through our process, picked a location that for all intents and purposes should have worked, and then we stopped it um, figuring out what the, the social part of that is. Right? We've not done enough to figure out how, how do people in Iowa City, why are they so, you know, we're very pro-climate change until that went in. And maybe it's a bad location, and maybe, you know, I have my opinions on it, but just objectively, maybe there's reasons why that site didn't work in the mind of people in Iowa City who want to recreate there, don't want to see solar panels. I don't know what it was exactly. It's hard to, to really understand it. But that they, you know, going back to that project and just putting it in a different spot is, is off the table. That's what I understand. We'd have to re-engage an entirely different process with the Mid-American to convince them that they would not be wasting their time again. So we'd have to identify it, get consensus, figure that out. And there's just not a lot of spots. And I don't think we've convinced them yet because of all of the the measures that were met with that site, it's hard to recreate. I'm for it, again, I'm for as much solar distributed utility scale communities we can get. Because like you said, Scott, I think, like every day you don't do it is the day you're not taking carbon out of the atmosphere. And costs are what they are, you just gotta do things. You know, if I, if I said like with my phone, I'll wait two years, because phone technology is gonna get faster and more updated and they might be cheaper, cell phones. So I'm going to deprive myself of the utilization of it and the benefits of it. That's going to continually happen. And people have put solar panels on fields up 10 years ago when the costs were much higher. There's been like a Moore's Law in effect until the supply chain crunch. So the argument of doing anything you can where you can is right. My feeling was that, that all these things were identified as, yes, we should, but there's, one, there's more to figuring out some of these details of where these things go and what happens. The Cedar Rapids Community Solar Garden, I think is, is something that we should really, really point to with our partner MidAmerican and say, can we have that? It seems if, it, if it's good for Cedar Rapids, I, I can't see why MidAmerican should say no. But anyway, I'll, I'll stop talking here, but I, you know, I, I think we should have more conversation and back and forth to figure out what's, what's happening. I guess I'll just say a couple of things, um, having worked on the prioritization working group. But um, uh, I think all of this is yes and. I think we want to do it all. We just have to take, again, prioritize it right now. What can we do right now? Um, and I think uh, on a couple of, of items that you mentioned, the resilience hubs um, especially, I think as a community, we're still trying to define what a resilience hub is, actually. It may not be just a physical place in a building. It may be more about the community members um, and how they help each other recover. And so I think um, I think we should keep in mind, keep all of what's we've discussed here in the study as part of that conversation. 
but I don't think as a community we've decided we've de defined what a resilience resilience hub is yet. Um, and then I would also say that you know as we're thinking about the priorities of the actions we take today versus the actions we take in a few months versus next year versus the following year, um, you know what Mid American is doing on their side versus what we are encouraging immediately to do within the community. So for instance, decreasing demand, the weatherization grant program, the decarbonization efforts that we're trying to go through. That is paired, I think, with what Mid-American's doing from utility scale on their production side. And so, in, in my mind, that's where I thought, personally, that focus should be right now. And, um, because of the, you know, and those are incentives that we're, we're providing to, as a pilot program, to community members. We'll see how that pilot goes. Um, we don't, I guess we don't know the answer to that quite yet. And so I think um, we can, should continue, like you're saying, to have this conversation, to continually bring up the study um, as we move forward. So, but I, I thank you for all your work in putting it together. Uh, this is Ina Lynch. Um, thank you both for context and the decision making on the memo, I'm not on the subcommittee that was a part of this, so I'm also reacting to the memo. And I, I think I really see um, the point of view of what's, how do I pronounce the acronym? Jay said, is that right? Mm -hmm. um, the feeling in the memo is not like one of like leadership and taking a strong stance and so I understand the need to prioritize and say this is what we can do now but if we can also before we send something to council put in that intention and that vision of what we want to do in the future I think that makes a really big difference um, and I think what Jay said is asking for here in the response that like can we have a robust conversation to put that memo together I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't quite know where we are in this process, um, but I would like to see that done to really include, we have a lot of expertise in the room. They could help some of these things that maybe we're not sure about, they could help answer and, make, and help to make that memo really powerful, um, even knowing that some things we want to do we might not be able to do right away. I, um, I appreciate what you're saying, Michael. What I would like to note is while this is collaborative, this is the commission's memo, and there actually has been quite a lot of time. I personally, I was on the study group, and as were some other commission members, and we probably were in, I don't know, 20 hours of meetings. I don't know how much hours I spent outside of review. That's, I'm not talking about the working group. This was in the production of getting them out. So many of us were very involved in that. And I do appreciate, I, Scott just left, but he mentioned the word plan. And I wanna, be, I, I don't think it's our role to come up with a solar plan. First of all, that would be very time consuming. It has to go through a true adoption process. We are not, that's not the directive of us to alone to do. And so I think we're trying to find this balance of, you know, it says strategy. And that was why I think you caught up, you know, like. I agree we, we can say something that's a little more forward thinking and about the need that there probably at some point needs to be a greater planful approach. But we were really caught between so many impacts um, of trying to 
get something done and move forward. And what I would like to note is, I mean, the city has not completely sat back. The city was involved in three solar group buys t from 2018, 2019, 2021. Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it was over 100 houses got solar. That helped promote that discounting. It was an attempt to support our local industries. It was many of these things you know, and that we try to do. And there's been many impacts that, you know, nationally and internationally that have just, we, we couldn't kind of reap the fruit of all that, that effort. Um, the city has tried to add solar and put out RFPs. They've, and I know I've done that for the county. These are very, they're time consuming to do. And you're often faced with the choice of, um, you know, do you do it because it's the right thing to do and you're not necessarily, you're not going to get the return on investment that the taxpayers at a certain level met. So there's just been many efforts, I think, that we didn't, you know, we didn't refer to them in the memo. And so my concern about continuing to have more back and forth is that now we are ready. I mean, the study came out in January and I, I guess I'm willing to make some changes, but I, if we keep having dialogue between us, ultimately it's the council that needs to decide. I think we need to be mindful of staff capacity. Um, and I, I think that while the zone, doing a zoning rewrite doesn't, it, it isn't like putting together a community solar project. I totally acknowledge that. I, as someone who just recently updated the, uh, utility scale solar ordinance for the county, excuse me, the, the ordinance for the city is more residential based that they're looking at. Um, you know, you wanna get that right before you move forward on anything. Um, it's, it's technical and it's detail oriented, but I think that's why we felt so strongly about taking that in there. So I, I don't know if this, in this moment, we can, we can decide, does the prioritization group meet again? Does the prioritization, I don't wanna speak for the entire prioritization group or for staff. Do we have another meeting? What, or do we propose amendments to the memo right now? Um, kind of. I don't know, I feel like there are some eyes on me, so let me oh, offer. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to, I mean, and, and again, my, and I don't, and again, I, I, I wanna say there is so much value in the study, and I just, I'm trying to find the balance of us, you're having conversations with us when we're not the deliberative final body that makes the decisions for the cities, and getting that conversation out there, which there's something to be said with that, it goes to council, it's on their agenda, you could speak more about it publicly versus keeping it within the working group and then more back and forth. Um, I mean, I guess I'll say, Sarah, before you maybe jump in, is that, I mean, I do, I do think that we could maybe revise some of the, the kind of the wording or the kind of the, how, what the memo is saying, I guess, from the front, how, what, what it's emphasizing. Um, and so I don't, I mean, I, I, from, as part of working on that working group, I don't see a problem in doing that. Um, yeah. I was gonna say, Matt, that, that was kind of like my feeling too, is in re reading it the way it reads, and I thought we were, you know, we were sort of saying like, yes, let's hand this to counselor, like we're interested, but we could say like, it, just a few tweaks in words would be something like, we would like to see an effort towards X, right? Like to make it a little more clear as an action item. Some of this stuff, that's all we're saying is that Yes, but we, we can't go in, like, for, for more detail to say, like, 
propose a building or, or do that that would have to go council would say i think sarah if i'm wrong here would say yes do this or go back to staff and staff would have to figure out what building it worked on and how it worked exactly they couldn't just say here's the building we want to put it on approve this right it would go to council i think and so we could put stronger language from the recommendations we've made here that say council look at this right is that correct um, yeah, you can you can put whatever language you want in your memo. Ultimately, it's your memo. Um, what I I would suggest is worth bearing in mind is that um, it can be one of several memos. I think that was very much the intention of it, and we can of course go back and continue to revise and continue to deliberate on this memo. That's at the commission's discretion, but I think always. Um, <laughs> I think always it's the trade-off between, I, uh, I don't know if anybody knows the 10 Decalogues of uh, Pope John, but he has this great one that I love. It's about guarding against hastiness and indecision, right? <laughs> like always trying to thread the needle between them. Um, and what I would suggest is also possible is you could make fairly minor tweaks on this memo, send it off to council so that these three projects can move forward. Um, and then with the intention of coming back and sending another memo as it gets underway to follow up and say, now let's look at this material. Or you can continue revising this memo um, for however long you see fit before sending it, recognizing that that could constitute a delay in some of the projects. And, right. you know, we are talking about moving targets, right? Like, as you noted, Stratus, the... Um, Inflation reduction bill has gone forward. Now staff needs to metabolize that and think right. about what that means, you know. And by the time we get something written, it may be out of date again. So it's just it's it's just a timing issue, and I think it's entirely what you feel comfortable moving forward with. Yeah, that's a good point, Sarah. I mean, I think that for me, as long as if we if we put it as the current language in front of them and they were conscientiously looking at it. It sort of articulates here's some ideas and then they could say i really wanted to do this thing how do we get this done and then you put teeth to it but my, my sense is that in the next couple of months here we're gonna be talking about radically different city approaches to all of this stuff because of what's in the climate bill and so if you get this out there they might say we want this and that comes back around and we go well here's how the community piece works because of the climate bill and there's stuff in there specifically that looks at that so you could we could just let it go to like like to council. This is um, oh go ahead, Gabe. Uh, this is Sturdivant. Um, I kind of wanted to say, <laughs> being on that the um, subgroup, uh, it was kind of felt like what can we do? What can we actually achieve right now? Because I know, it, you know, there's legal stuff, and I I don't know what happened with the waterworks park. I wasn't it, <laughs> part of it. Um, but it, it just it was kind of like, what can we actually do right now? What's feasible at this moment? What what can we start on? And it was kind of the feeling I got in the the group was, what what where do we start and what can we actually do versus jumping into something? You know, going to the state legislature and saying, hey, here's a recommendation, but there's nothing that would be accomplished by that. So. It was just kind of in the group that it was just, you know, we we couldn't legally just say we're going to put up a solar thing here. We have to work with other people. And I think anybody on the commission would say, yeah, let's just throw up a solar. <laughs> let's just put one up and call it a day. But 
we just can't do that, so. I think I can offer up one example of how the city has been engaging with this issue that I think is really illustrative. Um, it has to do with the public works building, which as many of you know, um, it's the city's, it was the city's intention to put solar on the roof of that building. It continues to be the city's intention to put solar on top of that building. Um, and I think it factored into the discussions in the working group. Um, in particular, we talked about some of the difficulties we run into in bidding out that project. So we sent out an RFP, um, invited bids, and at that time, the first RFP was looking at a power purchase agreement um, that had been outlined in the Bluestem uh, report that JSED's report drew upon, right? So this is a sort of shared ownership model that would help bring costs down. Um, because of the expiration of the state tax credits, we didn't get bids on the project. Investors weren't interested in partnering with the city on it. So the city went back and said, well, it still matters to us to put solar on this building. So we're going to send out an RFP again. And this time we're going to do it so we can own the system outright. Like we are going to absorb those costs um, because it matters to us. And so we sent it out, we got some bids back, we actually got far enough in the process to identify a preferred bid on the process, and then the company that bid on it was unable to meet the bonding requirements for us to be able to move forward. So essentially, um, we couldn't move forward on the project because we didn't have an installer. It came back, the city again has said, this matters to us, we're gonna figure out how to do it, we've gotta send it out a third time. So that RFP is being prepared for a third time to send out to get solar on the building. Um, the way this factors into the discussion is, you know, it's not something that appears in the memo to say there is all this deliberative process on the city's end to get the solar, the city's still pursuing it, but when you're having trouble bidding um, a project for a single building, right, that factors into the decision, do you then also pursue something like a parking lot canopy at this time? Like, let's hammer out, let's figure out what's going on with the RFP for the public works building was the general thought. And then we can look at other projects once we've got that pathway established. Um, so those are the sorts of things we anticipate coming back to. Um, it's just at this time, the city was sorting out this other issue, which, you know what they say, third time's a charm, here's hoping. Um, but also, you know, to the point about demonstration projects, there was a lot of discussion in the working group about the idea of having an education component in it. And I know I haven't had a chance to read the memo that Cheryl, you were kind enough to provide, but I note in there it talks about, um, you know, that you want to have a meaningful education component to it. And I think that actually very much factored into the discussions in the uh, working group. And in fact, as reflected in the memo, there's some discussion that rather than just putting up a, a demonstration project that says, here's how solar works, on a sunny day you get more energy, on a less sunny day you still get some energy, there's discussion about looking for unique projects that could serve as demonstration projects. So something that could have a prairie component incorporated into it, for example, to show how prairie and solar can be paired together. Um, I will speak purely for myself um, and say that I think that's a really wonderful idea, but of course identifying locations for those projects take time, and that's why it wasn't put in what can we do by the end of 2023 in this memo, but certainly is something that we continue to keep our eyes out for and will continue to dip into the study to reference. Um, and then if I could just make one 
final point, um, because I think it hasn't really factored into the discussions um, too much so far, but it's worth noting um, that in the survey that uh, Cheryl and her group and Craig did such wonderful work on distributing to the community that did show robust support for solar in the community, did show robust support for community solar, for distributed energy generation, um, something that just really just isn't highlighted, I think, enough in the report and isn't highlighted in the um, even the memo is that the number one thing, the number one preferred um, option in that survey that was identified was for a utility-owned project, right? 77% of the respondents to the survey, if you look at the raw data, said, in, in effect, I, w the way I interpret that isn't like necessarily like, yes, definitely we want the utility doing it so much as we need to do something. Like if the utility owns it, great, we're not opposed to that. If I own it personally on my roof, I'm not opposed to that. If the city does it, I'm not opposed to that. Like these are all great options. And I think that's just worth keeping in mind as we look at utility-owned projects um, and the possibility of them. There's, I think one of the reasons that data point stood out to me so much is because I think very often we assume that people would rather own it themselves than have the utility own it. And so that survey was a really interesting kind of counterfactual to that idea. And one that I will say as a city staff member, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see because the truth is, a utility can build something like a community solar garden far more cheaply than the city can for the simple fact that as an IOU, they are able to capture the federal tax credits. The city is a nonprofit and we don't qualify for them. So when they're able to capture those tax credits, they can factor it into that installation and make it a cheaper installation than we could ever build on our own. And I think that's one of the reasons the working group in here emphasized the need to have continuing ongoing conversations with MidAmerican about potential partnerships, as difficult as it may be and as potentially burned as they may have felt about the previous process to say, we're still in it, we're still interested, we want to move forward. And I think very much um, both the folks who are behind this memo and the city staff who worked on it um, really took that lesson to heart and I think are looking for those opportunities and continuing to um, want to move forward on them. Please come, uh, you're welcome to come speak, thanks. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm Craig Mosher, and I'm president of the board of the Johnson Clean Energy District. Um, and also, I, I live at Iowa City Co-housing on Prairie Hill Lane, where we are building 37 units of super energy efficient uh, housing with no fossil fuels, uh, solar power, and all that kind of thing. So I think the city needs to also walk the walk. and. My concern is that the, the tone of the memo, as has been said, tends to downplay the importance and significance of the, the study results and to emphasize two projects which certainly important to do education and certainly important to fix the building codes, but they're not on the, 
but not at the level of the projects that were proposed in the study for the city to actually demonstrate some real leadership in this area. And so I would really encourage you to, to not send the memo with the tone that it's got, but to take a little more assertive approach to this and encourage the city council to really get out in front of this issue. And I think that, for example, um, Stratus has pointed out how the Inflation Reduction Act is gonna change the game here. There are gonna be opportunities available. We could start moving to take advantage of that now, position ourselves to start using those funds when they come down. I think one of the things that's really important to a number of city council people is equity. Trying to assist low and moderate income folks with the energy burden that really stifles their, their budgets, especially at this time. And I think that distributed solar and community solar are ways to do that. And, and city, I think, can play a role in that if it chooses to do so. Um, I also think that the city has more leverage with Mid-American than is acknowledged in today's discussion. Uh, yeah, Mid-American may have been a little upset about the waterworks, but they're a business. They're gonna make business decisions. They're not gonna not do something because they didn't like the decision that was made in that one instance. And so I think the city has leverage with Mid-American and can use that leverage to encourage Mid-American to do what Alliant is doing on community solar. And I understand Mid-American's a tough nut to crack. I, <laughs> there are lots of reasons for that. But I think the city has probably more influence than, than maybe it, it, um, it, it, it thinks at this point. I think also that the virtual net metering discussion in the legislature next session needs some active advocacy by the city and not to be scared off by the utilities position on this. So I'm encouraging the city to just get more involved and to be more active in this area. We really have to, climate change is really having some very serious impacts. Even on Iowa City with the derecho, okay? We're gonna have hurricanes, we're gonna have stuff here. But the wildfires and all the stuff that's happening around the world We've got to do something about this. And I really encourage you to take an active role as a commission in trying to support, encourage the city council to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. That's Craig. Um, did you have a question for Craig? I, it, do, you, do you have a question? No, for I was, was going to say thank you, Craig. Um, one, yeah, I, I agree with uh, what you said. I, I think one thing to uh, also that's in consideration here is this is just a sidebar, um, is that the prevailing wisdom for years has been that the most optimized form of solar deployment, even myself included, was utility scale, and that the residential scale was two and a half times as costly per kilowatt hour, although desirable for certain reasons of you to own it on your roof or whatever, uh, that it was two and a half times more costly. There's a really good recent study that was done that looked at how when you, in those studies that have neglected in the past to look at distributed energy resources, right, from rooftop or, or cities, putting it on and, and feeding that back into the grid, 
that it optimizes, vastly optimizes the ability of utilities to deploy centralized solar. And that there's this, they've been missing all along, we have all been missing this interplay between this big interstate that is the central utility you know, model with these little offshoots, like you think of the freeway, right? Like the little towns that come off. And how the ability for utilities to actually roll out utility scale solar at a, at a cost effective price for them and their financial models is gonna depend upon distributed generation in cities um, more and more. That's very, very new research that I think is gonna get traction and utilities have to be looking at that. And it's gonna change how we think about the cost structure of distributed generation versus these sort of utility scale models. And so I think that like to your point, as a business, utilities are starting, the, the, the climate bill's out there, right? And it's gonna be a game changer because that money's earmarked for this stuff. And the, the, the things that are in the bill, the incentives, and then the new information about co-optimizing some of this rollout for how grids have to change. And I think there is, there is opportunity there. I guess the, the question is, to your point, how aggressive or what language do we need to use or, or when do we need to, as a commission, make those statements? We have to think about that. Um, I'm just in the, Cheryl, I, I don't know, if, do you have a brief comment? Just because we need to end right at five and I need to get our process just a brief comment. I, I guess that I would say that that to be responsive to the citizen to the city council's request two years ago for a vision, alternatives about how solar energy could be expanded here, that the memorandum really needs to present the vision. It needs to talk about you know that uh, that the study that you commissioned, city council calls for distributed generation and storage. And we see there's problems with that that need to be worked out, whether they're policy or financial or whatever. And we, and we are, but that's, that's what we need to work on for the next 10 years. Here's a proposal of a vision that you ask for. It's a 10 year program to start figuring this stuff out in, in all the technological and and financial and policy ways that it needs to be figured out. And I, I just request that you do that. Thanks, Cheryl. And thanks, Cheryl. So what, I, and I apologize, I, I just need to leave right at five and that's because I have another meeting to get to. Um, what I would propose then is that the working group meet again. I think there's just too much information here for us to attempt to do anything to ask the commission to either, I, I mean, one option would be to ask the commissioners to vote to support whatever changes we make and kind of write us a blank check to trust us to get into this memo what kind of what's being discussed. I don't think that's what you all wanna do and I, we don't really have time. So my proposal would be that the working group meet again and look at the actual changes we want to make to this. Um, and then I guess we would have to bring it back here, but then we are not gonna be able to bring it back here until October because we have a full agenda in September. So that's part of what we were trying to balance. So that would be the delay in part. You know, we cannot take on the complete infrastructure bill. I just wanna, you know, I think we can mention that, that that's obviously, cause that happened on Friday. We'll mention the change. Who knows what else will happen in the next four to six weeks. So. The memo can change as we, you know, 
so that's one way to do it. Otherwise, it is asking the commission to write us a to write up as a blank check, if you will, saying they support whatever changes we make, and then we get it done in the next few weeks and send it on. Right, uh, which I guess we could do procedurally. I just want to no, be respectful Sarah, you, of the Sarah, commission as a whole. Sarah thinks. Well, I mean, Sarah, you basically recommended send this on, and then you have a follow-on memo, right? Like, and so is that. I mean, my sense is, I think the question comes down, I, what we're really talking about is tone in the memo, right? Um, I don't think there's an objection to the projects that are outlined. Is there an objection to the three uh, projects that are identified as priorities? Well, the, the Can, Cheryl, can you come to the microphone and just speak very briefly? I'm, I'm just, I apologize. We're just uh, I mean, I, for the you know, rush. I guess that number one, number three about just continuing to com have a conversation with Mid American about that was discontinued two years ago while this vision thing was being developed was disappointing to see that oh we're just going to go back to figuring it out and then we'll let people know what the new site is and then we'll go forward and uh, you know I. I get. I, I think that our suggestion is that that project is a is a is a joint community solar utility owned project, and I'd like to see that. I I actually think that item is broader than that, though. I think it's not just purely focused on a community solar development, but looking at what are those partnerships and continuing that conversation. And I think the study has been really useful on that level in continuing those conversations. Um, I would, this is what I would say. It is your prerogative what you want to do as the commission, 100%. I think the question that you're looking at is if you're going to go back and um, revise the tone, that's one question. If you're going to go back and revise the um, projects themselves, that's another. If you're revising the projects, I think that requires more deliberation and possibly a delay on the projects that are already on here. So how much time do we want to devote to that? If it's a question of tone, I think that can be adjusted and sent on to the uh, city council um, without continued deliberation. It, I, we could bring it forward once more for people to read over and say, this sounds more like what we want to say and send it on. So should we get a mo would, would someone want to propose a motion that the, mo the motion will be presented in the affirmative, so you vote just, it's not the same thing, that's how it has to be, but that's usually how motions are done, in the affirmative. So the motion would be that the memo would be sent, the memo would be revised for tone by the working group and then sent on to the council without coming back to the commission. You'd have a final copy sorry there'd be a final copy in the packet so would someone like to present a motion for that yeah i'd like to present a motion for that i guess is that are you asking me to do that or any i mean that's i'm asking but the commission would so so usually the chair doesn't present a motion yeah sorry could i just have one comment and you know i am i i apologize that i can't be there in person but i am you know and i, I wish i could participate more but um you know I'm try I do try to carry on the messages that we have um, and the discussion that we have here um, as, as mid Americans representative but I, I will say that you know it, we haven't it, it isn't you know that project was disappointing that it didn't move forward at the at the waterworks site that isn't to say that we haven't continued solar development across the state and in fact as basically a backup project 
at a significant similarly sized um, utility scale solar installation that was developed and installed and is operating at the at hills if you go down 218 um, we have a significant utility solar um, at our hills substation between you know right off 218 so I mean that that was kind of you know to the point of we had have to make business decisions that was kind of what that investment got taken and put in the backup project um, and so that doesn't it, you know I don't think that there's anything that's precluded but I just wanted to say you know from that standpoint there we have we have invested significantly in solar in those last two years as well around the state so I guess I just wanted to make that point as well and sorry to delay the adjournment here but I just <laughs> want to make that point well we're not no that's no I appreciate the comment I'm sorry just I didn't hadn't called on you I know it's sort of difficult without having the visual no, for it. me so and be please yeah in the future just definitely jump in if uh, you um, if we're not coming around so I, would I, I would say yeah I, I, I um, make a motion to, to revise just some tone and things to make it more direct and submit what we have to council and go back I, we could the subcommittee can meet again then and I would go back and I would deal with that number five and say do we want to put language that says we would like direct council to have Iowa City talk to MidAmerican about a community solar project in the vein of what Cedar Rapids is doing and explore those conversations, which would be something we would send on in addition to, but it doesn't delay this other stuff then. Okay. So the motion is to revise the memo revise for tone memo and, and send it, it on. on if the commission approves at this moment. And, and Sorry, I'm just, I'm really tired. It's just yeah, hard yeah. to articulate all this. So the motion would be that we would revise this, revise the memo for tone and the working group would revise the memo for tone and then it would go on to the council and that separately you were saying another memo would be created about yeah, another project. I just want to keep the motion really simple. Yep. There's a, so that's, Leave the, the second part out. We'll just do that. Okay. I mean, so the, the motion is to revise the memo for tone. Send it on. Then send it on to council. Is there a second for the motion? Second. All in favor, say aye. Do we have or, discussion? Or, or, sorry. Yes. Uh, yes, discussion. And I'm sorry. We need. I absolutely have to leave at ten after. I have to be at another meeting to help them meet quorum at five thirty. So I apologize that. I'll, I just want the design and Lynch. I just wanted to add a, a like a intention or recommendation that as the tone is revised that we include that Jay said input into that. So, so then that's that's different. Then you should be then to to include more of the input of the substantive comments. We would need to go back and do a revision and bring that back and have the whole commission vote vote on it. So that's why so to, I'm saying they they are asking for a collaborative process. And if I'm understanding correctly, you weren't a part of or like saw this memo until it was presented. I'm just saying, like, is there this is a public process, right? Are they allowed to? Well, the memo is kind of our memo, and in a way, I think the reason, 
I'll kind of be blunt on this. This is not meant disrespectfully, but it's not JSED's memo. It's not their memo to write. It's kind of our reaction, our thoughts on the study, which JSED, yes, they put a man, a plot, they put so much energy and work into. But in a sense, the study is their say, if you will. The study is lots of hard work and collaboration that some of us were already part of. So this is kind of a response to that. So I feel like that's effectively asking them to make our response to their That's not what work. I'm saying. I'm saying like but it's concerning to me and hard for me to approve when the people who wrote the memo are saying like this this is disappointing and isn't taking a leadership when the, stance. What you said, the people so, who wrote the study or the memo? The study, sorry. Sorry, okay, because they, it's, no, I don't. Yeah. So to be more convincing to me to say like I can stand behind this would help me if the people writing the study felt good about what we were putting forth. You see what I mean? Yeah, that, that's possible. It delays any kind of action until October. Yeah. So that's that would be yeah. saying no to the motion because that would that was the uh, rather than put two motions forward, that's why I just put the one. But yes, that's I'm not saying that it wasn't an option, but that is the default option. If, if that's what the commission would like us to do. I can just offer a procedural note. Um, for studies like this, where we work with a consultant, it is a little unusual for the consultant to then also write the memo recommending what to take away from the study to act on. That doesn't mean that you can't do it or that it's not impossible, but just trying to put some context of how these processes normally work for the city. That would and be I'm it. I'm not and asking them to write the memo. And, and I, that, like, or even they would support to, it. Even to edit it is usually not. I'm not asking. That. I'm asking that like, so uh, so that they would support. Okay, so so I think though we have the option of what you're asking, which would be a more you know some more back and forth. So are you in understanding that that's the default option of voting no on the proposal? So. The option exists. It's just as I noted, the motion is made in them for. I wasn't making an amendment to a proposal. I was just asking, like, that we so, take that mm -hmm. into consideration. Or yeah, yes, and yeah. we are, and that's what I'm, I tried. I it's, mm -hmm. it's been hard to describe fully. So I could either I could change the motion so it's the more. What well, is everyone comfortable voting on the motion with the understanding that the default is to go back and discuss it and possibly show it to JSED before it goes. Is, are you comfortable with that and clear on that? So are we okay with voting on? Yeah, I think, so, so again, to be clear, just for the public record, for the, for the commission's sake, we are not collaborating with, a, non, with a, a public interest group to write policy for the city council. That's not happening. Uh, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna be you know, having someone write a memo we're presenting to council. Uh, the goal is, and the, the motion is to say, can we change the language if we all agree as a council um, or as a commission uh, to be a little more uh, articulate in certain ways about our desire for city council to act? That's about it. It's about the limits of it. Um, and in that process, it might be okay for one or any of us to talk and get more input from JCED but still, the count, this commission and the subcommittee will write the memo, not with Jay said, but with some input. Um, we can consider things that they've said, but I think that still goes to October then. I don't see how we could just if do we that. If we do that, it goes to October. Yeah, I see how so, that goes so to October. If someone wants to propose a new motion 
I seriously need to leave here in two <laughs> minutes. I am, I am mud to all other group of people. I, I would say that we don't have a motion. On the first motion, I mean, if so, can we take a vote on how people feel on that first motion to make that those small revisions and push it forward okay. so yeah. we can keep it moving? You're, you're saying you propose not to have a motion? We could do a roll call vote yeah. on that first motion if you'd like. Right, okay. So, yeah, the, so and we don't have, I don't know if we have a second on the motion. Would you, yeah. I, Stratus, can you? I'm, I'm, I'm in a motion, so we need a second. Typically the chair doesn't second uh, motion. Walter, I'll second. second that original motion for the tonal okay. revision. Can you do roll call, Sarah? Um, or do you want me to? I can do it. Hutchinson, or oh, sorry, Frazier. Aye. Hutchinson. Aye. Walter. Aye. Gianna Curris. Aye. Krieger. Aye. Garrett. Aye. Grimm. Aye. Einan Lynch. Aye. Servant. <coughs> Aye. <laughs> Gabe, sorry, you're laughing. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Soglin. Aye. <laughs> Uh, the motion passes. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, Jesse. I need. I like need. Can you send me a picture of you in a little frame? I just. I am a, just uh, like a five by seven glossy signed. So. Um, um, all right. I thank everyone for the time. I know that was a little um, challenging, and we just. We had some new business. Can we skip this? I mean, we have to. I have to leave. <laughs> so new business will be pushed to another agenda. The recap is just, I'm going to, next meeting is, remember, uh, a delayed, a week delayed. It's Monday, September 12th, 3.30 to 5 here. Um, and actionable items, I think the working group knows I have stuff. And I um, am. Going. Sarah, do you have anything else? Yeah, the actionable item is that the working group will reconvene to adjust the tone of the memo, um, no. and then we will share it out with the commission. Yeah. And just to again note, that's not a one, you know, that's one memo. There's lots. Yep. Because So thank you, everybody. Um, is there a motion to adjourn the meeting? A motion to adjourn. I move to adjourn. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I think two uh, motions to adjourn suffice with having an endorsement. So um, yeah. meeting is adjourned. <laughs>